Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. I hope you all had a nice zombie Jesus day, even though <laughs> it's now two weeks past, but you know, whatever. You you get you get it. You get it. You get you it. You get it. <laughs> you get it. And just yeah. like Jesus, we're back. We've <laughs> back come back. It. <laughs> We've come back from the dead. Even yeah. <laughs> like Jesus died for your sins but then he came back three days later so like did he really do that much I don't know (laughs) who knows I was messaging Katie earlier and I was like the meme that she picked out had me cackling it's just the (laughs) boom lol then you're like ah Jesus you scared the shit out of me (laughs) I mean what a weird story what a weird Jesus ghost story that people just believe I mean whatever it's just crazy I was also telling Greg because on Easter I think it was the day after even I was like scrolling through social media and I was like oh my god if I see one more post that is he is risen or hashtag he is risen I'm gonna lose it I know I know I was actually thinking about you because you know how you're you know you're very intellectual in terms of well, lots of things, but also with grammar oh. and and writing and correct sentence structure. And he is risen. That isn't grammatically correct, is it? No, that's like, what like, always makes me. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's one of those things I actually get out of my brain, Katie. I was like, <laughs> I need to look this up because why it, it doesn't sound grammatically correct and based off of what I would like how I would write it doesn't but then I'm like is there some rule that I don't know about or is it just one of those things where it's like because everyone has said it for so long or mm-hmm. if it's in the bible it must be like it's just kind of overlooked right right that's know. what I think because like you would think that the correct way to say that would be like he wrote he raised he was raised or he rose from the dead or whatever but I guess yeah. To say it that way sounds more, um, I don't know, yeah, like eloquent in a way because it has been said over and over and over from yeah. the Bible. But you wouldn't use that in any other way in regular life. But, really you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So who knows? <laughs> I mean, I could be totally wrong. People are like, um, actually incorrect. But, yeah, no, I was thinking that a few days ago when I was like, I kept reading it over and over again on social media. And I was like that can't be right. Like that is just such a weird way of saying it. And it doesn't, it goes against everything that's in my soul, in my heart. But then <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, maybe it's one of those weird rules that are, is like overlooked or whatever, because it's based off of religion, religion. Because, I don't know. <laughs> you know, everything in the Bible and the book of Mormon goes against logic. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no point me even like trying to figure that out or make sense. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so I don't even have any opening announcements or opening exercises today, uh, unless you have something. No, I don't have anything either. All right. So What I wanted to share with you today is a talk I found from none other than Gordon Butthole Hinckley. (gasps) Gordon Butthole Uh, Hinckley. Yeah, my uh, Google Doc is saved as Gordo Ew. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of this. Uh, This was given, I believe, in the early 2000s. I I didn't save the date. Uh, I want to say it was like 2006. And the title of it is, it was given um, during like the women's session of general conference. And Mm -hmm. the title is your greatest challenge mother. 
And this oh, is when he I was, feel like I know this one. When he As was in, like when I was Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was the prophet at the time, the president. And this one really spoke to me because you're a new mother, and oh. he's talking to mothers and I wanted to read it to you and get your reaction as a mother um oh Jesus about, yeah oh celestial Jesus here Jesus take the wheel let's do oh, this <laughs> take the wheel where's he gonna take us which road trip are we gonna go to um <laughs> all right so I, I um, just copied and pasted this, and I didn't make any notes, so I'm just going to read it, and I'll pause to, uh, we can we can discuss. So, Perfecto. Let's do it. He says, tonight I cannot talk directly to all of you. I have singled out one segment of this vast congregation, and that is you who are mothers. Okay, I might- first, sorry, can I just jump in right there? Like, yeah. already, I'm just thinking, that has to be so devastating to hear if you're a woman who's not able to get pregnant or has been really struggling or has had, like, miscarriages or has had, like, whatever it is. But, like, to me, if as a mother, and I'm very fortunate to be a mom, like, in that sense that I wanted it and it worked out. But, like, if I was sitting in a congregation and listening to that or I read it, that would be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. 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 And the women who, I mean, we, you would have been in this. I think I might have even still listened to this, but you definitely were still in the church in 2006. And yeah. we were we were made to think that we were, like, supposed to be getting married at that time, even though we were very, very, very young. Yeah, um, I was 18 then, so that's yeah. Cool. Right. But, you know, you're at 18, you're kind of already being primed to like, yeah, definitely your husband. And so like, even at that young age, it's like, you know, you're, you're feeling the pressure of like, why am I not married yet? Why do I not have a husband to like, give me a baby? That kind of thing. Yep. So, okay. Oh, what a wonderful thing you have done as mothers. You have given birth and nurtured children. You have entered into a partnership with our father in heaven to give mortal experience to his sons and daughters. Like, like uh, this whole thing about how there's, there's souls that are like waiting for you to give birth. And if you don't, then they're just sitting up there like wasting away or whatever. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. And also so much pressure on women to just like pop them out, like nothing. Like, yep. I mean, Katie and I were just talking about before this episode started, like my fucking hormones still aren't even regulated. And I can't imagine yeah. like having another kid right now because I'm feeling the pressure of like, hey, one's out, like he's six months cracking on the next one. You know, if you want to do that by choice, that's fine. But like right. to have that pressure. Right. I know. I know so many Mormon families who, yeah, their kids are like maybe just a year or slightly less than a year apart because they're just having so many right in a row. Uh, I don't know how that woman's body does that. Uh, But yeah, it is this pressure to have as many as possible. So he says, they are his children and they are your children, flesh of your flesh for whom he will hold you responsible. Again, that's like terrifying, scare 
fear mongering right there. Uh-huh. Like, oh, if they leave the church, it's on you and you. Oh, girl. Oh, girl. You know, it, it, it gets so much worse. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're, you're picking up on it already. Um, by and large, you have done a remarkable job in rearing them. I have said many times that I believe we have the finest generation of young people that this church has ever known. <laughs> Little does he know that that generation is like the generation that's started to leave the most uh-huh. to have the internet. There you go. <laughs> um, here, here he goes to say, but I regret to say that so many of our young people fall between the cracks. They try one foolish thing after another, never evidently satisfied until they are pulled down into a pit from which they cannot extricate themselves. Some of our own are among these, and it is you mothers who bear the burden of sorrow that f- flows therefrom. These the are your... Fuck? <laughs> they are your sons and daughters and so tonight with the hope that i may be helpful i plead with you yeah full-on blaming the moms wow well, that is absolute bullshit as if moms don't have enough shit and pressure and like worries and oh my god like i'm gonna be on a little bit of a soapbox because i'm super hormonal today but it's just like good. moms get all the shit placed on them <laughs> and then this guy is gonna be like and let's throw even more on top of your shoulders and the women who were listening to this talk who were mothers at the time i'm sure were just like okay now i have to worry about this this is another thing that I, it's all on, like down to me and it's my fault if it doesn't work out or it's all like all the responsibility goes to me again yeah. any mistake that your child makes is your fault and again We've talked about this before, how it's that it's said often that like parents are failures if their mm-hmm. children leave the church. And it's like, what did I do wrong? And it's like, you didn't do anything wrong. I just made my own decision. Yeah. Uh, but the church and and talks like these and prophets, they tell the parents that it's their fault, like anything that their child does, that's quote unquote wrong. So, wow. yeah, all the blame. Um In some cases, it may be too late, but in most cases, you still have the opportunity to guide and persuade, to teach with love, to lead in paths that are fruitful and productive and away from those dead-end situations which bring no good. (sighs) You have nothing in this world more precious than your children. When you grow old, when your hair turns white and your body grows weary, when you are prone to sit in a rocker and meditate on the things of your life, nothing will be so important as the question of how your children have turned out. Okay, first of all, Gordon, (laughs) that's how I feel now at 34. So that's what will happen when you have children in your 30s. I'm like struggling to get off the ground when I play with Rory now. I'm like, fuck's sake, I should have had you when I was 20 like Mormons because I can't do this. Um, a rocker. I need that rocker right now. I need my rocker. I would love to have five minutes to meditate a day. That would be fantastic. But really, like, again, putting that pressure of, like, when you're old and sitting on your rocker and meditating, this is what you'll be thinking about. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will not be the money you have made. It will not be the cars you have owned. It will not be the large house in which you live. The searing question that will cross your mind again and again will be, how well have my children done? So I want to say here, like, I'm sure, like, there's some truth to, like, yeah, the most important thing is your family and your children if you have them, right? But, like, 
I would say most people would be like, are my children healthy and happy and living the best life that they can? Not he's framing it as, are my children still Mormon? Exactly. Like, <laughs> I was thinking that. Like, that's not going to be, and that shouldn't be anyone's concern as a parent. Like your concern, exactly as you said, is like, are my kids healthy? Are they happy? Do they feel loved and supported by me as a parent? That's my biggest concern. But also, and I think this is where the church would fully disagree with me and maybe a lot of people who even are outside the church, but it's also important that the, the mom or the parent is happy too. Like, Oh, for sure. I think that's something that's overlooked constantly is like, Oh, you put the child first and you put and, And of course you do, but I think it's really important as well that like you as a parent are also happy because if you're happy, the child's happy, you know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. it's something Mm -hmm. where, especially in Mormonism where it's always taught that like you have to sacrifice everything and like, you know, your child needs to be in the Mormon church and be active and blah, blah, blah. And you, you put their needs in the church above your own. And it's like, well, no, that's why a lot of mothers like struggle, especially in the church, because they're so, you know, focused on making sure that their child is like righteous in every way that they overlook their own. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about it a lot on this show, but you need to take care of yourself and like your own mental health and just your own physical well-being. And that that really is not talked about. It's it's yeah, like you need to make sure that your kids never leave the church and stay on the righteous path, hold to the rod or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I say that as someone who used to be super judgmental about that. Like I remember meeting a mom once who has like she was like, Oh, I'm going on like a girls trip and my husband's watching the kids and I remember just being like, Oh my God, like she's so selfish, blah blah blah. Like I can't believe that she would do that. And then I'm now on the other side, like, well, hell yeah. Like moms need yeah. a trip, you know, need a little break and it's good for the kids like to see mom yeah. doing her own thing and being happy and or yeah, that yeah. or whoever, you know. So well, yeah, and, and that whole kind of like weird, sexist, shameful thing about like the dad is babysitting it's like no he's just being a parent uh as same as the mother and those duties can be the same (laughs) nothing gets my blood boiling more than and I absolutely love and adore Greg he is a fantastic dad and supportive partner but when we go out somewhere like to a pub or like dinner or anything and he's like he's so good with Rory and every time someone comments like Oh, he's really good with him. Like you're lucky. Like he seems like he helps out a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, he's his fucking parent, just exactly. like me. And I just have to like bite my tongue. And I'm like, yep, yep, he does. Yeah, how times do they go? Oh, Sarah's so good with him. Yeah, like, she must her. help out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, what? Like it's only your responsibility. Oh, so wild to me. Mom, people. Um. And so I plead with you tonight, my dear sisters, sit down and quietly count the debits and credits in your role as a mother. It's not too late. When all else fails, there is prayer and the promised help of the Lord to assist you in your trials. But do not delay. Start now, whether your child be six or 16. Wow. Okay. Your debits or your credits, right? Um, Okay. This is where, okay. (laughs) I'm just going to try to get through this without laughing. I am told. I am told that there was recently held in this area a great gathering which attracted 10,000 young people, 
some of those young people were our own. It is reported that the acts of that evening's entertainment were lewd and evil. They were loathsome and downgrading. They were representative of the foulest aspects of life. There was no beauty in them. There was only ugliness and depravity. It was sleaze in its worst form. <laughs> sleaze. This is it must be like, I feel like he gets his lyrics from rap songs or just songs. Not even rap. I don't know why I said rap. Just songs in general because, you know, he did the no mm-hmm. scrubs that one time I was reading the article <laughs> too. <laughs> He's it's like, Ooh, what's a hip cool word that's probably in songs? Sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> These young people paid from $35 to $50 in admission. In many cases, that money came from their parents. Some of your sons and daughters make it possible for the promoters of such filth to prosper in their evil undertakings. So what do you think this event was? I'm going to guess it's some concert that was, like, very mild. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to guess, like, Jessica Simpson. (laughs) Oh my God, I I wish that's what it was. (laughs) He's about to tell us. So last Sunday, the Deseret News carried a detailed feature story on an underground drug parties that go go by the name of Rave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they run from three o'clock until 7.30 of a Sunday morning. Okay, Gordo, my man, I've been to raves. They do not start at 3. They usually end at 3. They usually start at, like, 9 or 10 p.m. and, like, end at 3. They do not go until 7.30 a.m. Maybe some do, but not the ones I've been to. And I like how he has to say, of a Sunday morning. (laughs) Of a Sunday morning. I feel like Gordo should have gone to Berlin and attended those raves. Those start Thursday and end on a Monday. Oh, yeah. Those are the raves. Those are the, yeah. Yeah, you want to see a rave, you go to Berlin. (laughs) So here, young men and women in their late teens to early 20s dance to the metallic beat of so-called music pouring forth from stacks of amplifiers. Some are wearing brightly colored beads. Others are waving glow sticks. Some have pacifiers in their mouths, while others are wearing painter's masks. (laughs) What the actual fuck? I am shook. I, I know. I love this so much. Drugs go back and forth from sellers to users at twenty to twenty-five dollars a pill. I want. How does he know how much? I'm. You know, he's talking about ecstasy. I'm sure. How does? How much? How does he know how much that how costs? No, exactly. <laughs> but also, this is giving me like total flashbacks, memories of. I. I think I told you this. I went to some like rave as a Mormon <laughs> in somewhere in Utah like I think it was Salt Lake maybe where you had to wear like white and it was like a neon party mm. and everyone was like throwing neon paint and they had like uh water or squirt squirt guns that they filled with like paint that they were like squirting people anyways more of the story it was so Mormon and even as a Mormon I was like <laughs> this is so fucking lame like I cannot believe I'm here at this point <laughs> and I love how he calls it they go by the name of Rave, which, by the way, dun, dun, dun. Rave, Rave was capitalized. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make sure it's a proper noun. It's a 
brave. brave. I know of no better answer to these foul practices that confront our young people than the teachings of a mother given in love with an unmistakable warning. There will be failures. Yes, there will be heartbreaking disappointments. There will be tragedies, bleak and hopeless. But in very many cases, if the process begins early and continues, there will be success and happiness and love and gratitude. Opening your purse and handing a son or daughter money before you rush off to work will not do. It may only lead to more evil practice. Um, okay. Well, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just thinking about Rory and I'm like, first of all, I ain't just cat handing him out money in the morning anyways. I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> but also I find that I have a good balance. You know, on Easter Sunday, I was singing in a really obnoxious voice. Christ the Lord has risen today. All day long to him. And Greg was like, please stop. And I was like, but it's Easter. I need to sing these things. He is risen, Greg. <laughs> he is risen. And then today I was singing to the window, to the wall. To the wall. To the wall. To the sweat drop down my balls. <laughs> oh, these And then I was going, and then Greg was like, really, again, this is to our child. And I was like, it's good for him. It's good. He needs a little balance. He needs a balance yeah. all He needs things. balance out of the Christ our Lord is risen today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Teach your children when they are very young and small and never quit. As long as they are in your home, let them be your primary interest. I take the liberty tonight of suggesting several things that you might teach them. The list is not complete. You can add other items. So first off, <laughs> teach them to seek for good friends. They are going to have friends, good or bad. Those friends will make a vast difference in their lives. It is important that they cultivate an attitude of tolerance towards all people, but it is more important that they gather around them those of their own kind who will bring out the best they have within them. Otherwise, they may be infected with <gasps> the ways of their associates. That yeah. is horrendous. That is so mm -hmm. bad. That's so bad. I know. I know. And I love how he, he throws in that side note of like, yeah, be tolerant, but it's way more important to just be friends with Mormons, your own kind, or else you'll be infected. Infected. <laughs> It's not a fucking disease, Gordo. What an asshole. You know, I was right. with him from the first line. It's like, you know, it's important to have good friends. Yeah, I agree. It is important mm -hmm. to have good friends. But his definition of good is really horrible. Like, mm -hmm. it should just be supportive. And this is, I think, the reason why I know this talk. Because I remember mm -hmm. having some teacher in church give me this talk or, like, share this with me because they were saying it was really important for me to have, like, good influences and good friends because I wasn't hanging out with Mormons at the time. Because <laughs> were you living in Georgia? There's, like, yeah, no Mormons to hang out with? Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, I'll just hang out by myself, me and Holy Ghost over here having yeah. a jolly old time. Me and <laughs> G, you know, just hanging out. It's G. Um. I have never forgotten a story that Elder Robert Harbertson told at this tabernacle pulpit. He spoke of an Indian boy. Okay, he says Indian boy. I don't know if it's actually Indian or Native American, but we yeah. know that they're racist, so whatever. Yeah. He, he spoke of an Indian boy who climbed a high mountain. It was cold up there. At his feet was a snake, a rattlesnake. 
The snake was cold and pleaded with the young man to pick it up and take it down where it was warmer. The boy listened to the enticings of the serpent. He gave in. He gathered it up into his arms and covered it with his shirt. He carried it down the mountain to where it was warm. He gently put it on the grass. When the snake was warm, it raised its head and struck the boy with its poisonous fangs. The boy cursed at the snake for striking him as an answer to his kindness. The snake replied, you knew what I was when you picked me up. Uh, see, I know the story. This is like giving me all kind of flashbacks from when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Warn your children against those with poisonous fangs who will entice them, seduce them with easy talk, then injure and possibly destroy them. To me, this just is teaching your kids, like, don't help anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if they're not Mormon, don't help them. Yeah, yeah. If they're not Mormon, they're not one of us, then, yeah, just don't give a shit about them. Don't help them. Don't be their friend. Don't interact with them because they're going to hurt you later yeah. on. And it's also putting that thought in your head that, like, if they're not Mormon, they're automatically bad or evil. Yes. This is yeah. what I've had for a long time because of hearing this kind of shit where I was like, ooh, I can't trust someone who's not Mormon. They're always going to be out to get you or do something, like, take advantage of you or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Same. Like, and I, I hate that that's how I thought, but I did because of how the church teaches you. And, I mean, that's that's a cult manipulation tactic right like othering it's us versus them and you're afraid and and I don't know even like disgusted sometimes by people who aren't Mormon you're like oh like what are they gonna do they don't have the same morals as me it's just fucked up yeah okay then he says teach them to respect their bodies okay (laughs) the practice is growing among young people of tattooing and piercing their bodies the time will come when they regret it, but then it will be too late. The scriptures unequivocally declare, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? It is sad and regrettable that some young men and women have their bodies tattooed. What do they hope to gain by this painful process? Is there anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy of having unseemly so-called art impregnated into the skin to be carried throughout life all the way down to old age and death? Jeez, he's so dramatic. But yes, actually, it is worth it, Gordon. Thank you. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you have tattoos. And we know hundreds of people who have tattoos. I have seen gorgeous tattoos. He's saying, is there anything lovely of these? Uh, yeah, I've yeah. seen beautiful ones. And you don't regret your tattoos, do you? No, I don't. I was just thinking that. Like, as you're reading it, I was like, do I regret any of my tattoos? And I'm like, no, because for me, they're really important, too, because they came with, like, a story or memory. So whenever I see my tattoos, like, I always think about, like, oh, yeah, that's where I got that tattoo. Or, like, the fact that all of mine have been done by – so I have five, and all five of mine were done by women. And, like, to me, that's really important to have, like – yeah, anyway. So, and, like, they all have um, a special meaning. So yeah. I don't and regret any of mine. I don't know. I mean, And, you know, it's fine if you do regret, regret one or you have one, yeah. like, changed or whatever. But my point is, is that he's saying that they will – regret it and it's like I don't know many people who regret theirs and I know I mean I would say I know way more people have them than don't yeah and they they like them and they're beautiful pieces of art that 
they have on their bodies. It's like, who is he to just say that every person that gets one is going to regret it? <laughs> and it's just putting a lot of it on women as well. I found in the church and, and especially like, not just in the church and society, it's always seen as like women who have tattoos are like, ugh, that's so trashy. Whereas men could have multiple and it's like, yeah, okay. They made a mistake or two. Right. right. And oh, yeah. the church is like very much like, you would see inactive members come back or like converts come in. And with the guys, it wasn't as severe, but if a woman had a tattoo, it was like, Oh, let's get that covered up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and again, he's talking to mothers, telling mothers mm-hmm. to like, it's on them to prevent their children from getting tattoos. And it's like the, the kids, your people have control of their own bodies or they should, but in Mormonism, you don't even have that. Like you're, you're told you you can't do what you want with your own body. And then again, he's putting extra emphasis on like, if the kid does get tattoos, it's the mother's fault. And uh. yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay. They must be counseled to shun it. They must be warned to avoid it. The ta- oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Got your attention. We're back Please. to the show. I dropped <laughs> something. <laughs> The time will come that they regret it, but will have no escape from the constant reminder of their foolishness. Okay. He's so dramatic. I I submit that it is an an uncomely thing and yet a common thing to see young men with ears pierced for earrings. Not only one pair, but for several. They have no respect for their appearance. Do they think it is clever or attractive to so adorn themselves? I submit it is not an adornment. It is making ugly that which was attractive. Not only are ears pierced, but other parts of the body as well. Even the tongue. It is absurd. It is absurd. But also, he's an asshole. God, he's being so horrible. And it's like, oh, so women, it's okay. So Celestial Jesus is like, women, you can have two ears pierced. But men, it's ugly. You're not ugly. Yeah, right? Right? I know. It's so fucking sexist and gross that he's saying like oh that was that's pretty on one gender but yeah. not another one like that was always me. one I struggled with like listening to because I remember reading this talk as whatever age I was I think I was 18 or 19 when a teacher gave me this and being like but I don't get it why would God be okay with like women having ears pierced or like just saying you can have one set of earrings but not more like what why yeah. is that okay I just don't get like it. who why would a god give a shit about you're yeah. wearing one earring in an ear versus two earrings like it doesn't make why, sense. no it's so it's so petty again Mormon god is a petty bitch and then yeah like determining like First of all, the binary, right? Like, so if you have certain genitalia, you have to identify as a certain gender. And then along with that determines whether or not you can wear jewels on your earlobes. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So weird. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Okay. Teach your sons and daughters to avoid illegal drugs as they would the plague. The use of these narcotics will destroy them. They cannot so abuse their bodies. They cannot so build within themselves vicious and enslaving appetites without doing incalculable injury. One habit calls for another until the victim in so many cases is led down to a situation of utter helplessness with loss of all self-control and habituated to a point where it cannot be broken. 
Okay. I just want to say, like, this is, I feel like this is irony at its finest because we know the use of, like, narcotics and opiates is insane in Utah. Yep. yep. It's because people are trying to escape the abuse of Mormonism a lot of times. And they get addicted usually through legal drugs. Mm-hmm. And they can't find those legal drugs anymore, so they turn to street drugs. And these poor people, they're victims of this. And he's, like, counseling, like, don't let them take them. But he's not addressing why and how it happens and how to actually help people, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, I just had a thought, too. So... When it's talking, when he has the whole thing about tattoos and piercing, sorry, I'm jumping back to that because I just thought about that too, especially in like Utah. It's just so ridiculous that he's like, oh, you can't alter or change your body. But yet that state has one of the highest percentages of plastic surgery, which I'm all, you know, do what you want with your body. I'm not saying this in a shameful way, but how is that okay to alter your body, but you can't with the tattoo or piercing? Right, right. Yeah. I, yes, I agree. Like, I, I want people to present themselves as they want to. And that, if you want to change anything about yourself, if that makes you feel more true to yourself. Yes. But like, yeah, that one's fine. But you can't wear, wear clothes that you want. If they show certain body parts, you can't get tattoos, you can't get piercings, you can't change certain things about yourself, but you can, yeah, have a surgery. Yeah, yeah, which again, we're not just, you know, to make sure everyone understands, we're not shaming or judging because I'm all for doing yeah. whatever the hell you want to with your body if it makes you happy. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. just another thing that the church, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they're like, yeah. can't do this, but you can do that. It's or, like the word of wisdom, like, you can't have coffee or tea, but you can have Diet Coke and Red Bull. Exactly. Or it's just like, chocolate. Chocolate has fucking caffeine. So you're. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like I I know like we, you and I are both like yeah, drink whatever the hell you want, do whatever you want, but the church like picks and chooses just mm-hmm. to control you and to control certain aspects of your life. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Okay. Teach them to be honest. Oh, Gordo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The jails of this world are filled with people who began their evil activities with small acts of dishonesty. Oh, like J-Dog? Like Joseph Smith? (laughs) (laughs) A small lie so often leads to a greater lie. A small theft so often leads to a greater theft. Soon the individual has woven a web from which he cannot extricate himself. The broad road to prison begins as a small and attractive pathway. I just think that is just rich. Like... (laughs) A small theft often leads to a greater theft. You mean like the theft of all these people's tithing money that you're benefiting from? Exactly. Fucker. Like this lie. Yeah. The small lie that Joseph Smith told turned into this huge billion, multi-billion dollar corporation that you're benefiting from. Like, wow. The the, the whole Mormon church is a lie. And he's like, "Ah, be honest. Be honest, be honest with your fellow men or whatever the fuck is fellow, like with your dealings as well. And it's like, well, that's the church is everything about the church is a lie. Everything, everything, every single thing. (laughs) 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 Somebody just kill Caesar. (laughs) Okay. 
Teach them to be virtuous. Okay. Teach young men to respect young women as daughters of God endowed with something very precious and beautiful. You know, if you just would have said, teach your sons to respect women, period. That would have been great. But no, he has to go on referencing their vaginas. Yeah, exactly. And their virginity, which is a social construct, by the way. But it's like, oh, they have been endowed with this virginity that's precious and beautiful to only give to their husband. Ew. Ew. Don't talk about them that way. Ugh. Oh, I hate it. And also, maybe they don't want to give it to a husband or to a man at all. Like, Exactly. Exactly. Teach your daughters to have respect for young men, for boys who hold the priesthood, boys who should and do stand above the tawdry evils of the world. That's so toxic. It's basically like, let them get away with whatever the fuck they want to, and you just have to respect that and overlook anything that they do. Mm-hmm. And the priesthood. Specifically respect boys who hold the priesthood. You don't need to respect other young men that you encounter. Nope. I've definitely, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think we've all experienced that in the church of, like, Basically, any worthy priesthood holder getting away with whatever happens to a woman in the church, it's just like, oh, but they're a worthy priesthood holder with the temple recommend. So you have to forgive them and move on. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Teach them to pray. None of us is wise enough to make it on our own. We need the help, the wisdom, the guidance of the Almighty in reaching those decisions that are so tremendously important in our lives. There is no substitute for prayer. There is no greater resource. I just feel like... No greater resource. God. Ladies and gentlemen, why Katie and I were in the Mormon church for far too long? Because we (laughs) didn't look at other resources. (laughs) Yep. Because there's no greater resource than talking to yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And again, like you're not good enough on your own. You can't ever trust your own instinct or your own capabilities. You have to ask God and the church. Like it's just setting people up to doubt themselves and lean on the church. Yeah. Okay. God bless you, dear friends. Do not trade your birthright as a mother for some bauble of passing value. Let your first interest be in your home. The baby you hold in your arms will grow quickly as the sunrise and sunset of the rushing days. I hope that when that occurs, you will not be led to exclaim, as did King Lear, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to then have a thankless child. Rather, I hope that you will have every reason to be proud concerning your children, to have love to have love for them, to have faith in them, to see them grow in righteousness and virtue before the Lord, to see them become useful and productive members of society. That is such toxic language. I'm just kind of grasping it all and thinking like... Yeah. Can't you just stop at have love for them and... And And that's it. And make sure that they're happy and that's it. And be proud of them for whatever they do in their lives, as long as they're happy. Like, again, I'm just sitting there thinking about Rory and just saying, like, I can't imagine 
just not, I don't know, like listening to this language and being a mom in the Mormon church and, and feeling like I had to not, you know, be proud of my son because he decided to do something that went against the church's way, like, Mm -hmm. or not wanting to be supportive or just happy that he's happy. Like it breaks my heart. And I know that it happens quite often in the church and I don't blame the mothers for it in the sense that they're brainwashed from the church and have all this pressure, but it just breaks my heart, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know. I I was just thinking like, I'm so, so happy. Like not only that you left the church, but like that you left the church and you were able to get married outside of the church and have a child outside of the church because we, we know so many people we've had guests and we have now friends that um, they were married in the church and had children in the church and then they left after. And then it's like this whole thing of like your kids still in the church or, you know, all of this extra trauma that is added on and like their, their feelings when they were a mom in the church or a parent. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's so much to deal with that. I'm so glad that you aren't having to deal with because I feel like, I don't know, like knowing you personally, I feel like even if you were still Mormon and you had Rory and like, whatever, 15 years down the road, he decides he doesn't want to be Mormon. Even if you still were, I just think you're the kind of person that it'd probably be really hard for you, especially with teachings like this, but you would still love him and you'd still be happy. I I would think so. Like I just, cause I've known you for so long. It's like, that's the kind of person you are, but it, it, it'd probably be really hard for you too, like because of talks like this, and then you would feel immense like I guilt. failed, yeah, yeah. Like in the Mormon church. Like if I was still in the church and after hearing these talks, I, I of course I would like to think that I would still love and support him, but I think in the back of my head I would feel like I was a failure and that it was because of me and like he's not going to have eternal happiness and that's all on my shoulders and like this mm-hmm. constant guilt and like worry that I would have instead of just focusing on my child being happy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, even this next sentence, it says, if with all you have done, there is an occasional failure, like he uses the word failure. You can still say, at least I did the very best of which I was capable. I tried as hard as I knew how I let nothing stand in the way of my role as a mother. Failures will be few under such circumstances. So yeah, he actually uses the word failure. Like, wow. If your child leaves the church, you failed. You failed as a mom. I guess. And it makes me feel like my heart is just like kind of breaking too for like personally my mom. Like, oh, yeah. And my mom, too. Yeah. Like we've left. And these are the messages that our sweet mothers are getting at church. Like they they failed us somehow. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you didn't fail me. You're a wonderful mom. I just took my own path like don't listen to this bullshit you know yeah exactly so sad okay Um, yeah it does break my heart especially with my mom I do I I know that she thinks that and it just it it kills me you know I know I know because we both have wonderful mothers and like even through leaving the church they've been there for us and yeah like have supported us and but you know they're getting these messages at church and you you know it's re- residing in the back of their mind, even though they're not saying it to us sometimes. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, God. Okay. May the blessings of heaven rest upon you, my dear sisters. May you not trade a present thing of transient value for the greater good of sons and daughters, boys and girls, young men and women, 
for whose upbringing you have an inescapable responsibility. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> May the virtue of your child's lives sanctify and hallow your old age. May you be led to exclaim with gratitude, gratitude, as did John. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. For this, I pray and pray most earnestly in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <sighs> yeah. That's so horrible. Again, I'm just thinking about like if I, you know, I, I heard this talk as a teen, but not as a mom and it's just really hard to hear that like I just can't imagine being a Mormon mom listening to that and feeling that like guilt you know and pressure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I know the pressure of like it's all on your shoulders and again the most important thing is that they stay in the church that's how you measure their success not in their happiness or their personal um, achievements yeah and I know like this was given you know, in like 2006 or whatever, but like it, where I got it from was the church's website. This wasn't from like an obscure, you know, web page or something. So like yeah. when, yeah, if when members go, oh, that's not even taught anymore. Like that's not real. Like, uh, where do you think it I got is. this? <laughs> yeah. So, um, big so, shout outs to mothers that listen. I know we have a bunch of moms that listen and, and dads as well. Like you all are, fucking amazing and you included Sarah and I'm yeah. so glad that you're not raising Rory in this bullshit cult <laughs> Aw, thanks yeah I agree I think like hold your hold your babies close no matter how old they are and just love them for for being them you know and I'm glad that we're out of this cult and we no longer have to make our kids feel anything less than loved and yeah mm-hmm. and you don't have to deal with the guilt of like what religion they belong to because that's not your responsibility that's up to them so exactly yep yeah Mm -hmm. all right friends thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week we'll be back bye-bye bye